This podcast is sponsored by Morris Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. Hang on. This is Morris Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. Is it sponsoring itself? But why? We're stuck in some sort of recursive loop, trapped in an infinite void of mirrors spiralling through eternity in an increasingly self-referential abyss. Cursed to... Oh, oh, it's just a typo. Never mind. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. But wait, there's a guest in the room. We are not alone. Do-do-do-do. Who is it? It's Mike Meyer, my co-writer on... I'd say co-writer. He did more, a lot more of the writing than I did. Right. But, yeah, yeah. Co-writer, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you're but, yeah. but I did write some of it, so technically I am a co-writer. Yeah. Um, Mike uh, Myler, creator of Now, that Mike Myler. Yeah, so he's... Uh, the, 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 the Mike Myler that created Vascovia, that Mike Myler. Yes, I think, I think you say he's the lead writer on Mythological Figures and Maleficent Monsters. Uh, which is the Kickstarter that we have running right now. But we'll get into that later. Ooh, Hi, yes. Mike. How are you? I'm doing great because the Kickstarter is doing very well. And that was, uh, you know, <laughs> been since like February been going on. So You do look like you're a man in pain, though. Yes, I have a toothache that uh, flared up pretty good in the past couple of days. So. Oh, sorry to hear that. Sorry. It's all good. Let's do some RPG news. Because oh, there's been some this rest. week. Has there? What should we start with? Shall we start with the NE's nominations? Uh, I guess we can, yeah. They were announced earlier in the week. It is, I think, a pretty diverse slate this year. It's a a lot of indie stuff, and it's a lot of diversity going on there. It sounds like people have been writing in and nominating their products and so forth, getting on board the product train, and... Make people know that they exist, which is always yeah. a strong well, there's choice. Nothing, there's nothing there from Wizards of the Coast apart from one um, Adventurers Guild product. Okay. Uh, Paizo's not in there, and okay. Green Running haven't haven't made it in this year either. Ah, well. So yeah. three three of the big companies out of Seattle all 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 aren't in there. Well, clearly have decided that uh, they'd best stay away from that and allow, allow the little guys a chance to compete. Hmm. I'm sure that's what it is. I'm sure. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good slate though. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there I'm not familiar with, so that gives me a good good list of stuff to look for. I see Harlem mm. and Bound Second Editions in there, which is good. Strong, strong. Pleased to see that there. Um, we got um, uh, Handiwork Games Beowulf uh, Hermit Sanctuary uh, free PDF that's in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kids on Bikes, we've got that in there. We've got Jim Henson's Labyrinth game. Under cartography, which I thought was surprising. It's also under family game. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. So it's, it's got a couple of places. I've, I've uh, seen that. Uh, it's actually quite nice. A well-deserved alien, the role-playing game. Ah, oh, yes. Your, your favourite for its um, stress, stress mechanic. mechanic. Yeah. Stress mechanic, yeah. And we've got Alex White's A Cool and Lonely Courage, which was, I don't know if you recall us mm. talking about that last year. It was uh, mm. It's an indie game 
about women during the war. Right. Yes. Uh, they are, what's it, uh, 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 French resistance fighters? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a good game. But yeah, so the any the nominations are out. The yep. awards this year obviously aren't going ahead at Gen Con because Gen Con isn't going ahead. Yes, that's because a bit of a apparently there's some kind of virus going around here. Yeah. Is there? Oh, yeah. is this like the, is this ransomware or something? Or? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, so it's I, it's going to be an online only thing. Okay. And I think the uh, MCs for the event are going to be Robin Laws and Ken Height, I believe. Oh, fantastic. Oh. So we'll talk about stuff as well. Yeah, well, that'll be taking place in August. So there's going to be voting between now and then, and then in August, the actual event takes place. Mm-hmm. So good yes. luck to everybody who's been nominated. Yeah, uh, look, we, we look forward to seeing what's happened. Hmm. Right, we have got Rebellion, the publisher of 2080 and Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. And uh, maker of video games. Yes, that's um, what they're best known for. To they're be fair. basically a multimedia entertainment company these days. They do so many different things. They're dabbling into TV shows and stuff like that these days. They they bought a TV studio, didn't they, last year? Did they? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. They've actually bought a TV studio, <laughs> like an entire company. Yeah. Oh, oh I saw that they they're opening some like live dread experience in London. I sent you. I I paid, I, I paid you on Twitter. Oh yeah, whatever, that's like happening it. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. Like, I, have, I have to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. Sorry, you do need to do that because uh, I need to have pers- first-hand experience of like how good it is. So like, tell me after you have. Oh yeah, uh, well, when, when I next go to London, which doesn't look like it's going to be any time soon. Yeah, you can yeah. wait till December, right? <laughs> December twenty twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure the plague will burn itself out long before then. Yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah. they uh, they they opened up a tabletop gaming division last year, mm. like November-ish, I think I want to say something like that. Oh, okay, exciting uh, times. And their first game, and they're, and they're doing this by Kickstarter. The first game has been announced. Right. So they right. started this anthology kind of RPG series. Okay. So each one is a single standalone magazine. Which is, okay. a, and it's a standalone game, like yep. 50 odd pages. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a standalone sort of colourful game. Uh, uh-huh. Each one presumably is going to be a, a separate, a totally separate um, genre and system. I don't know if it's a different system. But this first one is called uh, Tartarus Gate. Uh-huh. And it's by Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. Oh, yes, yes, we've had them on the podcast. Yeah. They're the creators of Spire RPG and. Amongst other things, Spire yeah. and Strata, and um, also things like Rolf Shoes, and various other like yeah, one-page and RPGs. Yeah, Grant Harris, known for his one-page RPGs, like you just said. Yeah. I think also worked on the Paranoia role-playing game, the latest edition. Wouldn't surprise me. Yes. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, so it says here that each issue is 56 pages. Yeah. Uh, you need three dice to play. Each adventure mm. is designed to last three to four sessions. There's a Kickstarter right now, and it's a really low-cost one as well. There's just a couple of rewards on there. It's not a big mm-hmm. complex thing. Eight quid for the PDF or ten quid for the magazine. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. You choose between those two. Seems yeah. pretty decent. Uh, yeah. So they, they haven't they haven't announced anything beyond Tartarus Gate yet, but this is apparently it's set it's set on an isolated ship in deep space. Yeah. It's the year twenty one thirty. You're an unpaid intern. And, um, yeah, the ship's AI wakes you up to solve some problems. 
Marvelous, marvelous. Unpaid intern on a spaceship. Yes. That makes sense. That does yes. sound like fun. Of course. Uh, oh, uh, Event Horizon. That's all I'm thinking of. So Event Horizon meets office space in space. <laughs> yes, I think Good that's time. basically what we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, I, it, that sounds like a fun sort of game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Warhammer 40k, Wrath and Glory. There's more Wrath and Glory stuff. We have got a we, list we of an products. entire podcast of Wrath and Glory. How can they have new stuff already? I don't know. <laughs> ah, come on, guys, give us a rest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could just skip over it. I mean, we don't. No, no, we got we got to cover it. It's, it's new. It's not just like you know, does, does Dom have them all chained to the desk and beating them with whips made of snakes or something? Like, I guess so. On. No, there's no snakes in Ireland. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why we have them imported, especially. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just think of, think of the green. Is that actually parts. true? Are there no snakes in Ireland, or is that just... No, there's no snakes in Ireland. Well, there are snakes that people have bought there, but there's no native snakes no, in Ireland. No wild snakes. No. no. There's, there's some pretty calm snakes, but there's no wild ones. <laughs> I think I wrote some of one of these books, one of these, uh, in the, the Signs of the Fane. I think that's, uh, I wrote two of the adventures in that. Oh, you think you did? I think. Well, I mean, it was when <laughs> Ulysses Spiel had it, right. so like they bought they they bought it because I've been paid, so it was transferred yeah. to them. Then I assume they took everything from Ulysses Spiel when they took the. I license. guess so. Then yeah, yeah. Um. So so that that's just one of the what, six things that they've announced, but Indeed. that's uh, yeah. that's five adventures. Um. I think they're linked in a sort of loosely linked in an adventure path kind of way. I'm not 100% sure. Do you know, Mike? I do know they are linked together, uh, but I don't think I should talk too much on it. I don't want to sure. upset anyone. It, they're enough. good, though. It's cool. I had, a, I had a great time working on it, and I'm sure that uh, everything they're doing to change it will be wonderful. Mm. So that's one thing. So we've got a five-part adventure path called um, Scions of the Fane. Yeah. We've got the Forsaken System Player's Guide. Which is basically a book of character options, you know, archetypes and species and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, we've okay. got Litanies of the Lost. Uh, this okay. is a title that's not yet confirmed, so I guess it's just a working title for now. And that's a, a book of five new adventures. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got The Church of Steel, which is a book of rules for technology and vehicles and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, Imperial Cities, the six separate books, each of which details a location in the Gilead system. Okay. And finally, we've got a Game Master's screen. I think. Can you okay, work out what good. that is? Game Master's screen. I'm struggling with that one. What could, what could, what could that be? Well, I realise it might not be the best of a character for the guest the Kickstarter game. It might be some <laughs> sort of screen used by Game Masters. Um, potentially, it could have like a pretty picture on the front and some sort of tables on the back. Ooh. Ambitious. Uh, Novel. Well, where else are you supposed to hang your little character tents? <laughs> where else are you supposed to hide from your players when they start throwing dice at you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's talk about alignment, shall we? Alignment? Mm. Why? Do you have a car and it's not steering straight? Yeah, so I was wondering if you could pop around and fix that for me. Yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. Socially I'm not really a qualified <laughs> mechanic. I don't know anything about cars, but yeah, I've got a hammer. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll do fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you come yeah. cheap, and that's that's all that's important. I, I'm very cheap to come and hit your car with a hammer. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, no, so um, alignment's been um, a, a topic for a couple of weeks now with all the yes. orc stuff recently and the drow stuff, and yes. uh, they mentioned uh, kobolds last week, I think, didn't they? And yes. They said that biology is no longer destiny. Yeah. It's like, yes, welcome to the 20th, 20th century. 
You've got a while to go to get to the 21st, but yes. you keep cracking away. So Jeremy Crawford has spoken a little more on the subject. Mm-hmm. He's not really said anything particularly new, but he's kind of summarised yeah. what the current situation is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and he's kind of summarised, he says, you know, basically it's a reminder of what the D&D rules actually are. Yes. So as, as he points out, he says there's no rule in D&D that mandates your character alignment. That's there's true. no class in D&D that's restricted to certain alignments. It's yes. entirely up to you what your character's moral compass is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, your character's alignment doesn't prescribe your behaviour in D&D. That's there's no rule that says that. Um, mm-hmm. And it just it's basically just a role-playing tool like flaws, bonds, and ideals. And, you yeah. know, if it doesn't suit you, don't use it. Well, there's very little mechanically for it to interact with either. Yeah, yeah. He says basically the game system doesn't rely on those tools. Is the, is the way he well, phrased it. I got, I got to say that's probably just as well because we can't get any two geeks to agree on what alignment actually is. Yeah, I mean like, there are there are some exceptions. Neutral, there's some, evil. Yeah, there's some magic items and stuff that affect alignment. That's true. Yeah. Um, so there's a few bits. There's a few little specific bits and pieces, but generally speaking, alignment isn't mechanically doesn't have right. any real mechanical yeah. effect in the game. They've reduced the mm. emphasis of it from earlier editions, for sure. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. For well, instance, we I had the Paladin player when I first ran 5th edition who wanted to cast uh, Detect Evil every time they met an NPC, mm. which which seemed very familiar to me. I was like, okay, well, I wonder what this actually does. Okay, so there's no Celestials, Fiends, Undead within 60 meters. We used Does to have question? A, a ranger <laughs> with arrows that did extra damage. I, th- I must have mentioned this on the on the podcast before. Oh, did extra damage yeah. to evil monsters or characters. <laughs> and he, and the very he first time he ever used it, he fired an arrow at a monster. And then he goes, is this some kind of flash? And I was like, what do you mean, some kind of flash? And he goes, you know, when he hits it, because it's like, it affects like evil creatures more. So is there like some kind of flash of holy energy? So I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a little that, flash that of white possible. light. That was, that was a mistake. That, that was the sound of someone making a rod for his own back. <laughs> and the rest of the campaign, every time he fired an arrow, is there a flash? Is there a flash? It's basically, it turned into a mobile alignment detection unit. Anything you wanted to know, you meet a king. Is there a flash? <laughs> Only from the halberts, the guards' charge. Yeah. yeah, that was a mistake, a mistake I will never make again. Oh, <laughs> uh, so he talks about a few other bits and pieces. He talks about monsters' alignment, and um, he uh, quotes the monster manual. Uh, and the monster manual says, the alignment specified in a monster's stat block is the default. Feel free to depart from it and change your monster's alignment to suit the needs of your campaign. So it's reinforcing the fact that orcs aren't actually evil anyway, or a green dragon isn't actually evil anyway in a game. It's just, that's the suggestion, the recommendation. It can be evil. It can like be, it's, but it's not, yeah. it's, it's it's not, not mandatory. mandatory. It'd be more interesting if you had a, uh, a part of good orcs and uh, some sort of evil elves. Mm. Anyway, we already had those. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So he just talks about that a bit. He talks about werewolves, he talks about dragons, he talks about even demons, devils, and angels, and says that their, yeah. angel, their alignments can change. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's he's pretty much saying alignment isn't really part of the game these days. Yes, and right. also that uh, future books will make that a little clearer Mm-mm. in the way that they address race, alignment, um, stuff like that. That's well, they're going to stop using the word race. They're going to stop using. Well, it definitely sounds like he used it throughout this thing because this was a series of tweets. It was one, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. six, ten, twelve tweets. Uh, uh, and he does not use the word race at all in it. He does use the people, the word peoples. Yes. 
much circumlocution that was employed. Yeah, so it sounds Could like it people's... Wizards has found a thesaurus. Yeah, well, it sounds like people's is the one I've heard the most. Level. So Sorry? I think that so people's is the one I've heard the muse most. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. I kind of get the sense they're trying out different words on social media because mm, I've seen mm. folk used, I've seen people's yes. used, and uh, their tweets are just like slipping in different words. And I kind of get the sense that they're trying out different words to see which one, which one yes. works. Mm, intriguing. Or maybe yeah. not. They might have decided. I don't know. They write books yeah. like a year they, and a half in advance. They might discover the thesaurus. They're like guys. There could be more than one word for the same thing. Yeah. Wait, does that mean we have to change spell levels and character levels? Yeah. No, I mean, no, no. What about that, level difficulty? No, that reminds no, no. me, I, ha- I have to buy Micah Thesaurus. That looks like a Thesaurus. <laughs> so I got a friend of mine to edit mythological figures. Oh, okay. And, and it was just a very last minute sort of edit. It, um, it was just yeah. like, go through just for, you know, just looking for, don't worry about it. Just, you're looking for typos, basically. You, that's all you're looking yeah. for. Um, mm-hmm. And she, she went through it and um, I started getting these texts from her. And she goes, you know, he's used the word badass a couple of times. I mean, and I was like, yeah, okay. And then I kept getting, oh, and another one. Oh, and another one. Then it was, I want to kill myself. I want to tear my eyes out. Get him a thesaurus! Why is every character a badass? Only like a sixth of the characters had the word badass. Oh, Mike. Formidable. Okay. Yeah. Formidable. That's, That's a good word. That's a good yeah. word. Yeah, I wanted to be punchy. So I think we left one in, didn't we, Mike? We did. We kept uh, Miyamoto uh, Musashi. His yeah. entry has the. So the Miyamoto Musashi is a badass, oh. but everyone else is formidable or yeah. accomplished. Or uh, if, if you want them to be actually punchy, you can be, they could be pugilistic. Pugilistic. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's when we do our Rocky Balboa stat block. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, uh, so we we don't we digress. Where were we? What were we talking about? What? Who are you? Uh, <laughs> alignment. We were talking so about alignment. what year is it? <laughs> I think, I think we probably finished talking about alignment, though, didn't we? Or did we have more I, to I, say on alignment? Did we talk about alignment? Yeah. I don't know. It, it was, it's an idea that sort of maybe worked when you had very definite ideas about it back in the 1970s. Well, now they've I got... I don't think it was actually been able to make it work since. Well, now they've got the bonds and the floors and all that stuff. That yeah, pretty well, much is a kind of more modern version of alignment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, these are things that you need to roleplay around. Hmm. And um, that actually does have mechanical support because you get inspiration dice if you use them. Yes, or inspiration for pretty much anything because I will just well, throw that at you like a fire hose. Right, uh, science fiction fifth edition, D and D powered science fiction, Esper Genesis. Oh, that yes, the most game I was most excited about that I've never actually played. I've never played it either, but it's by Alligator Alley Entertainment. Yes. And they sent over to me a whole bunch of previews of their upcoming uh, 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 is an upcoming source book called the Master Technician's Guide. So basically, it's a technology source book. It's their third yeah, book yeah. in the in the series. Mm-hmm. And we've got pictures of spaceships. We've got pictures of technological looking axes and swords. And we've got armor. And we've got big phaser rifle looking things. We've got uh, starship stat blocks that look like monster stat blocks. Mm-hmm. We've got the EOS-class Dreadnought and the Lorendi Elite Viper. Nice. It does actually look really cool. I do kind of want to play this. They apparently have an organized play program. Mm. Really? That's what the website says. All right. Well, 
uh, organised play, I can get right alongside because I'm super lazy as a GM nowadays. I'm like, oh, is it the module? Yeah, go on then. I'll run it. <laughs> is it not? Oh, I can't bother. I find, I find running a module is more work than making it up, though. Because nah. then you've got to read the module. <laughs> that's, that's really, that's really <laughs> a strong term. That's extra work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Whereas if you just make it up, you don't have to read anything. Nah, I don't know. There's, 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 there's pros and cons, right? Pros and cons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the, the, uh, what he sent over is basically art previews and a couple of stat blocks, uh, yeah. and they look gorgeous. I'm actually really tempted just to go out and buy this game right now because I was vaguely familiar with it in that I knew it existed, but I'd never had chance to actually take a proper look at it. Oh, and now I'm looking at it. It's like it's like um, Carbon Twenty One Eighty Five from the other day, the other week. Yeah. Okay, so it's more cyberpunk than. Um, oh no! I mean, in the same sense that I I knew all, I knew about uh, it, but hadn't actually right. really looked yes. at it. Yeah, and you, then once you, I did, I was like, "Ooh, I think I'm missing out on something here." Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just so much stuff out there. Yeah, it's like hard yeah. to know what to get involved with. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, but still, right. What are we doing now? We're doing some more news. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Enemy Within. Uh-huh. Uh, the second of the collector's edition of the new director's cut of the Enemy Within campaign, Death on the Reich, yes. has just been released in PDF with pre-orders for the print copy. Nice. And you can also pre-order a special collector's edition. So it's a director's cut, and you can also order a collector's edition of the director's cut of Enemy Within for Warhammer Fantasy Roman. <laughs> the covers on those collector's edition look really good. Mm. I, actually, I actually like the standard cover a lot, actually. The boat on the river there. It's that's a, nice that's a very nice cover. But the, the collector's edition, yeah, it's got that... It looks like style. 70s neon glow posters. It looks familiar. It doesn't look a lot... Do you know some of the stuff that Wizards of the Coast has been doing? I wonder if it's the same artist, or at least in a similar style. Yeah, definitely. For their, style. For their special editions. Oh. There's more colours, but um, yeah, it's the same style. Mm. Yeah, it's it might like... be the same artist. I'm not sure who the artist is. It's Hydro Ooh. someone? Pyro someone? Hydro Hydro 74 or something like that was the artist for Wizards of the Coast. Maybe not that exactly, but something like that. Definitely. Oh, that is a lovely picture, actually. Sorry, it's taking me a while to find it. Um, oof, crocky. So essentially, you've got. It looks like quite a quite a shallow drafted vessel, like a barge, which has got a big old mast running at the middle of it, mm. and it's making its way down a like a fairly narrow river, which has got trees which are looming dark and ominous to either side, and it's a got a series of running lights on it and uh, yeah it's heading towards a cloud cloud shrouded sky mm. yeah uh, it's a really got a washed out feel to it like pretty pretty dark with like lots of greys and browns mm. uh, I think really does capture that whole well, it, like, but it is Warhammer of fantasy roleplay isn't it yeah yeah it's <laughs> grimdark in the grimdark yes there is only I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure it's raining it, it's raining in their hearts yes <laughs> in yes. their souls absolutely <laughs> Right, um, should we move on? Uh, i got some bad news, unfortunately. Uh, So, uh, Jim Holloway, he was a prolific role-playing game artist, uh, mainly in the 80s, and was very, very popular in the 80s for uh, 
role-playing game art. He did uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Star Frontiers, Paranoia, mm-hmm. loads, of, loads of stuff. And, and stuff more, more recently, Dungeon Crawl Classics and Tales right. of the Floating Vagabond and stuff. Um, he's also done some Battletech stuff and some Mech Warrior stuff. So, you know, very, very prolific uh, RPG yeah. artist. Um, he has unfortunately passed away. He passed away on June the 28th. Wow. Which is last weekend. Yeah. Um, a sad loss to the, a sad loss to his family and to the RPG profession. Yeah. Uh, Mike, did you want to talk a little bit about this uh, DM's Guild art thing? Uh, sure. I, I think I, you're more familiar with the situation than I am. Just a little bit. I uh, saw it as it was unfolding. So uh, there's a double standard about like what is acceptable for racy artwork. If it's a lady and she's scantily clad, that's fine. Uh, if it's a guy <laughs> and they're scantily clad, that's maybe a slightly different story. Or at least it was. And they're doing a, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of apologizing and then apologizing for their apology <laughs> and then apologizing <laughs> for the apology for the apology. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But, uh, so that, this that was this a level of apology are we on now? So this was an adventure called Curse of Hearts, Stake, Parry, Kill by Oliver Clagg. Oh, is this for Monster Hearts? Uh, no, it's, a D- it's on the DM's Guild. It's for D&D. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, and it's, a, it's a gay-themed vampire adventure. Right, okay. And it got pulled for um, risque art. <laughs> it's oh. a nipple. It was a weird, a weird objection as far as I could tell. But yeah, yeah. and the author sort of posted a lot of very similar art oh. from other products on the no. DM's Guild, but which weren't gay themed. As in, they were female bodies, supposed to male yeah. bodies. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, oh, I see. Uh, so which apparently weren't a problem. Right. Yes. And also, apparently, some of the pieces of art that he used were stock art from DMs Guild products. <laughs> <laughs> like the, that, that is to say, artwork provided by Wizards of the Coast. So, 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 some of the artwork provided has examples of this is very uh, similar to what Not I've necessarily. Got stock art can be produced by, okay, so uh, that's sold that's by that's other that's DMs Guild. It was just like, okay. Okay. But the point is, it was all right for them to sell the stock right. art, yeah. but it wasn't all right for someone to publish a book using the stock art that DM Skill yeah. had sold you. So, same, same ideas, different poses. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so DM Skill, as, as Mike said, apologised more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, they've apologised, I think, three times now. Wow. Oh, okay. Uh, and. The latest one apologises for the trauma our decision brought up for queer members of our community, gay men in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, they're working with Wizard of the Coast because the Dungeon Master's Guild is owned by Wizard of the Coast. Yes. Half owned by Wizard of the Coast, half by Drive Through RPG. Yeah. Uh, to make more specific and fairer content guidelines. Yeah. As to what you can and cannot put on online, as it were. Hello, your editor Daryl here. I cut a bit here where Mike goes into another adventure that was banned by the DMs Guild a few years ago. I cut this because, well, frankly, I don't even feel comfortable saying aloud the name of this product, let alone going into much detail about what's in it. Uh, This product, from the title on down, glorified sexual assault as a sensationalist spectacle, and the entire point of the adventure seemed to be simply just to shock and offend. 
As you'd probably expect, after a huge outpouring of people who wanted the material pulled from the site and drive through RPG doing so, a handful of people claimed it was censorship when it was removed. I just wanted to put this here to give some context as to the rest of the discussion, without going into too much of the gory details of what this adventure was. Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of one of those situations where drive-through and GM's Guild, because they're the market leader and yes. close to a monopoly, yes. that comes with responsibility. Yeah. Like, you know, you are, you know, you are, whether you like it or not, the people who are setting the trends, you are the people who are most visible, you're, it, you know, yeah. being the market leader has responsibilities that come with it. Yeah, like, basically, I, I, I gotta say, I'm, like, questioning if people Google, like, RPGs and this comes up, is this something I want to be associated with? <laughs> the answer is no, not not really, I'm, I'm not okay with it, it's like, I don't believe that sort of thing is okay, I don't want people to think that I would believe that sort of thing is okay. Well, it's being, it's being fixed, yeah. it looks yeah. like. Oh, so that's a, that's, that's a good thing. It seems like they weren't, they didn't double down or anything like that. They immediately responded, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. They also offered to put the, uh, reinstate the title. Right. And Clegg uh, responded that, that, well, that was good news. Yes. And he's, he's really glad the, um, the, the conversation has been started on it. Um, thank you for all the support and all this sort of stuff. Um, he doesn't want the title to be reinstated until the guidelines are in place. Right, right, right. Okay. Oof. Yep. Yeah. Oh, right. Is there any other news that I may have forgotten or missed? Let me see. Oh, you don't okay. have an article about it, but uh, the uh, RPG Writer Workshop... Uh, lesson for the summer started on uh, july 1st uh she's i don't know how many i think she said she's up to like three thousand applicants or something and we got that many on the discord server so mm. wow uh, that's becoming very big yeah there was an article on geek and sundry and a couple of other places so uh yeah it exploded last month yeah so you you've um hosted a course for them i you? do i have a course that i actively uh do office hours for on friday so after this recording is done i go back to it uh, yeah. For like making a primer for your campaign setting, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, this is a, a company which uh, does online courses for mm-hmm. RPG related industry stuff. Is that yeah. is that the main right? lesson yeah. is for making uh, an adventure? And it's I I want to say like thirteen different lessons provided by different different people. And then um, mm. there's many courses. Uh, mine is the first one. It's like I just said, making a primer. Then there's one for mm-hmm. marketing. Mm. And uh, there's, I think there's a free writing course and like a paid track and also a DM's Guild specific track. So mm-hmm. it's neat. Check it out. I mean, there's a free version, so you know. So how, what what does the uh, format of a course look like? Is it sort of a few articles? Is it videos? Is it what, you know? I know exercises. How does it work? One of the other uh, smaller course instructors said he was doing videos. I didn't do videos. Mm. I just it's like six. Uh, yeah, I think mine is six. <clears throat> six lessons that unlock uh, once a week. And then, like, it comes mm. with like, homework and, like, to oh. do activities and stuff and, like, you know, mm. how to brainstorm and, 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 you know, be efficient and uh, productive with your creative time. Um, mm. But, yeah, it, like, runs the gamut from how to use the open gaming license to uh, how to, like, handle freelancers for artwork and maps. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd say at this point it's pretty comprehensive. It was a little bit uh, a little bit rough around the edges last year, but, like, uh, they've been working on it, so... Yeah. So this is, this is this is something aimed at people who are just getting into the RPG industry. Yeah, mostly. 
I would say mostly, oh. yeah. I think I signed up for your course out of curiosity, but oh. I don't think I've had a chance to check it out yet. <laughs> I mean, like, you're, you're already getting the benefit of it from anyway, but, like, yeah. Cool, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. But is, your, is your course just use the word badass on every page? In your, I mean, <laughs> if, you're, if the North Star of your campaign setting is badass, then it, it might be just that, yeah. The advanced courses, and this is what this is the thesaurus and how it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, I think I think we have covered the news. <laughs> um, yes, probably. Yeah. It's time to play our favorite game. It's time to play the game. Our favorite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just yeah, shall we? Uh, shall we play our favourite game in all the world? Our favourite game in all the world ever. The game is called Our Favourite Game in All the World. The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you guess what it is from just the name. Marvelous. Now we're caught up in the rules. Uh, we shall commence to start. Okay then. Are you both ready? I am ready. Yes. So then, Mister Coffee, Miss Morrissey, Mister Coffee, what is? Yes. Sir Peter of Coffee, what is? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> what is? <laughs> I, I, this is a pronunciation. Oh, are you ready? Maybe it's a perfect word. <laughs> yeah, do it. I believe in what you. What is? It's one of those words that's got two bloody um, consonants. No consonants right after each other, right at the start of the word. Okay. Right. What is Nagola diaspora? Oh, N G O L O Nagolo. This sounds really interesting because if I was forced to guess. It would be which I am. <laughs> oh, I'm forced to guess because I'm playing this game. It's been a long day. Um, to be fair, I'm not forcing you to play the game. It is voluntary. I want to make this clear that Peter is not playing the game under duress. <laughs> Please send help. Click. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. Uh, di- diaspora. I think this is a game. Possibly set in a fancy version of Africa, which is um, following maybe some sort of major upheaval, is following the lives of different people as they make their way around the world and uh, set up, uh, you know, basically immerse themselves in new cultures and learn about how they do it. I've no idea how you'd actually go about implementing that as a role playing game, but that's what the name says to me. So I'm interested to see how close I am. Hmm. So you got the Africa bit right. Yes, from, from the, the Nagolo word. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is interesting. So this is an African martial arts. This, yeah, African martial arts um, series where right. uh, it takes place in the near future. Nice. Uh, uh, but assassinations are legal as long as they're carried out by go- a government-sanctioned guild. Okay. And the guilds are used to settle disputes between. Um, different parties. Okay. <laughs> could, could, could you um, not just talk out like adults? Well, no. Nope. nope. <laughs> so there's six section guilds, and the blood men are the most skilled and the most feared because they have a deadly fighting style called Nagolo. Right. Fun. Uh, it's an original right, so system. Presumably, uh, then, they are hit sufficiently hard by having become so powerful and are forced to disperse. Hmm. Well, it seems that some people think the guilds have become too powerful and they're bent on destroying them, starting with 
the Blood Men. So the, the Blood uh, Men are forced to go into hiding, and this is the Nagolo Diaspora. I am sort of intrigued and sort of worried about this at the same time. Can you tell us more about who made it? A company called MV Media. Uh, Alrighty. I'm not personally familiar with them. Let me. I can look them up if you like. Milton Davis. Uh, so they do. So they do Afrofuturism, Sword and Soul, and Steampunk, and more. Okay. So it sounds like they got. Oh, Milton Davis. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that sounds pretty reputable. I guess it's not exactly my cup of tea, but they do have like a fairly good pedigree of literature around that sort of subject. Sword and Soul mm. being sword and sorcery, but African. Uh, mm. Steampunk being steampunk, but yeah, again, African. So yeah, oh. the artwork yeah. has a uh, definite like Night Thrasher vibes, which is awesome as far as I'm yeah, well, it's very very comic book artwork, isn't it? It's yeah. specific. Yeah. Do you guys Night Thrasher it's was like a nineties uh, comic book, which was basically like Black Batman. Um, mm. Okay, and like he had red armor, and it's it's not exactly the same, but like that's the the like I I'm seeing like yeah yeah oh yeah oh, okay. Yeah, so, so Peter, a, having only got the Africa right out of that, I'm afraid you've point. only scored 0.42 points out of 100. Woohoo! An so, excellent result. Well, Mike, it's your turn. Alright. Yeah. 0.42 out of 100 to beat. Alright. I believe in you, Mike. You can do this. <laughs> <laughs> this one is called Terror Oblivion, and that's Terror as in Earth, T E R A, Oblivion. Terra Oblivion. I'm going to go with... Uh, humanity has had to flee the Earth because uh, some terrible thing happened there. And uh, it's a space, space-based space RPG um, about colonizing other worlds. Not bad. Not bad. It's not exactly right, but it's pretty close. So keep your... 99 points out of 100 for that. Excellent. <laughs> so, um, this is a, it's a, a pre-apocalyptic game of eco-espionage. Ah. So, everyone has left Earth, as you said, for the reasons you said, oh. and they go to a new world, which is a pristine world called Terra, oh. and they go and do it all again. Oh. And so, what's happening is, as humanity is killing this new planet... The heroes band together to safeguard the world from making the same mistake that they made on Earth, which is why it's pre-apocalyptic. Okay, I see. It's for the Mythic D6 system. Oh. And it's from Capera Publishing. Interesting times. Hmm. They reference Nazca Valley of the Wind. I definitely see the inspiration there in the artwork and stuff. Oh, should be quite good then. Right, that's the end of our favourite game in all the world. I think I have to declare Mike the winner. Oh, Because okay. at least he got some points. Yes, yes. Hold on, Mike. Right. Yeah. Ah, poor Grabner. You know, I never had a better man at my side on an adventure. Ah, oh, too true, too true. The best. We must honour his memory in every way. Absolutely agreed. What a stalwart champion and boon companion he was. And here he is, slain at our feet by a cowardly goblin arrow in ambush. Right, right. It's a travesty of justice. Yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just have that ring then. Always wanted his ring. Pretty sure it's magic. 
Ah, I knew I should have called dibs on that. You got a good eye. Remember all those times he risked his life to save ours, eh? Never once think of himself. Scooch over, would you? I want to get a close look at those pauldrons. Don't mind a bit. I wanted to get a closer look at his crossbow anyway. Grabner's last words still sound in my ears. It's been the best knowing you two. Never has a warrior in this world had better friends. I await you on the other side for more adventures. Brings a tear to my eye, really. Hey, what do you reckon that jeweled scabbard's worth? You know, I actually asked him about that once. He said its sentimental value was priceless for him. But he planned to donate it to the orphanage in our village when he retired. You know, he's done so much for them. Little scamps actually have a bit of fat in their cheeks these days. Yeah, I, I think I'll just liberate that scabbard for other purposes. Why not? Hey, could you put his winged helmet off and toss it to me? Yeah, sure. Here you go. Ah, that is a nice one. Ah, look, it fits great. Why, I'm pretty sure I just got stronger. Ah, shame I missed that fine, mate. I just have to make do with these boots of striding. <laughs> hey, remember my wedding? Grabnar arranged everything, including the feast. And what a best man he was. Whoa, that heartfelt speech. He brought real love to my heart. I didn't know what friendship was until he joined us. Yeah. Oh, and here's the coin purse. Oh, and such jingling noises. Nice heft. Orphans? Probably. But let's split it 50-50 since we're not certain. Good idea. You know, I literally wouldn't be alive right now if it wasn't for him. Oh, too right. Too right. Not the least of which is the time he went into the abyss to retrieve your newly dead soul after you insulted that evil high priest. Well, that time he spent three days finding all your body parts after you fell into that owlbear nest during mating season to have you resurrected. <laughs> Yeah, you just can't fault that man. <sighs> Not a bit. Now, where did he keep his plastic bag of holding? Help me look, would you? So, uh, Mike and I, we have a Kickstarter running right now, which launched on what? Tuesday at 5pm our time. So it's coming up on three days exactly in about an hour as we record yeah. this. Uh, 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 and uh, in those three days, it has raised a whopping £50,000. Well, was that $62,000? 62628 American USD. Wow. Uh, and this is uh, Mythological Figures and Maleficent Monsters for D&D 5th Edition. Uh -huh. And we've been working on this book for, well, technically, I guess, oh. what, two or three years? Yeah. Technically. March no, 2018. Mike's been working on this book for two or three years. Yeah, I mean, I don't recall you writing any. Yes, but I've been working on other things which raised the money to pay Mike right. to write those shows. So. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I've been paid throughout, which is <laughs> So I, I was yeah. still working. <laughs> okay, you, and my work you, you did contribute it. to the existence of this book. Just <laughs> <Absolutely>. indirectly. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then you did all the you edited all the context stuff, so you got your voice in there. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I I removed all the badasses and <laughs> you butchered the Jersey Devil. Oh, the Jersey Devil is such an amazing story. <laughs> so, uh, for those who don't know, and I'm sure everybody does know who listens to this podcast because it's not like it's the first time we've ever mentioned it. But um, unless it's your first time listening to the podcast, in which case, unless it's yes, unless. yeah, good good choice. Yeah. So this is a hard hardcover book, and it contains legendary figures from our own real world mythology. So people like Achilles, Robin Hood, Thor, Dracula, King Arthur, you know, and Bonnie, awesome, and Bonnie, yeah. So it's historical figures, uh, mythical figures, uh, historical figures that have got mythology surrounding them. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a couple you, literary figures, uh, a couple of literary figures, yeah. yeah. So you know, so it's a you know, so it's a big sort of wide range of figures from around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all of them, all of them, sort of presented as uh, stat blocks to bring straight into your fifth edition game, Ooh. and they range from CR. I think the lowest is one, is it? Something like that. Don Quixote, I think. Yeah, Don Quixote is real low. (laughs) He's contributing. (laughs) Yeah, and the highest is Lucifer at thirty-five. But Baba Yaga, not to be confused with the of John, not the one from John Wick fame, but actually the the, one from Russian folklore. (laughs) Yeah, the OG Baba Yaga Mm. comes in at a very meaty CR twenty-four. It's pretty solid. Wow, which is around the same as Dracula. Is Dracula twenty-four, twenty-three? About there. You know, I have the open. I have it open. I can. I can tell you in a second. Yeah. Uh, drag to the CR. Yeah, twenty three. Like yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we should do a okay, face off. Yeah. Baba Yaga. One person should play Baba Yaga. The other person should play Dracula, and there should just be a, an arena fight, a cage match. That is a well, thing I you mean, definitely do with this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I mean, I've got to say, Baba Yaga's looking pretty strong. She's got at sixty foot flying speed whilst in mortar and pestle, and that's. Pretty good. And does she get to bring her chicken hut to the match? Well, I don't know. Is that cheating? I, it, it, it's, it's iconic. <laughs> I suppose so. I mean, does Darth Vader get to bring a Star Destroyer to his to a fight? I don't yeah, know. Star Destroyers are more of an Imperial thing. Darth Vader definitely gets a lightsaber. So anyway, as I was saying, we've been working on this for two or three years because it's based on a column on Ian World that Mike has been working on. And yep. every week he posts a new figure or monster... They should alternate between figures and monsters, don't they? Yes. Uh, mythological figures are built uh, using 27 ability score point by. So, like, if you're playing Adventurer's League, uh, its mm. rules is written. You can take any mythological mm. figure and they'll be, uh, like, as, as if you used the player's handbook to make a character. Um, epic monsters are stuff where we just it just can't be done that way. Like Dorian Gray, for instance. I can make you a Dorian Gray like character but i can't make you dorian gray because his regeneration ability is well beyond the scope of anything that a player character should ever get their hands on uh which is of course why we included his painting as a magic item so a player can get their hands on it but yeah yeah the epic monsters are are built like monsters mythological figures are built as npcs with class levels Hmm. and we got 33 magical items in there as well so a lot of these mythical figures they have kind of signature items Arthur's got Excalibur, Thor's got Mjolnir, uh, Captain Nemo has the Nautilus. I mean, we've got 33 of these things. We've got loads of them in there, scattered throughout the book. They just, uh, you know, they're associated with the with the figure that 
that uses them or is associated with them. So we got a whole load of artifacts from our from our myths and legends and history as well. So so Mike, what's what's your favorite entry in this book? Well, uh you mean just get rid of drop bears. I know. Uh, I know. So no. upset about no. They're not in there. That, that's <laughs> that's got it. to become in mythological figures and the monsters too. We've talked yeah. about it, yeah, there'll be a second one. Or at least, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's that that was the excuse to get me to shut up about the drop bears. So, <laughs> uh, I like Fafnir a lot. No, just, the reason the drop bears aren't in there is because they're not an individual entity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're yeah, a creature yeah. type, so they didn't fit in with the theme of the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. These are all uh, individuals. Everyone in there is an individual. Uh, Julie Daubigny, La Maupin. She is so cool. She uh, is so, about, so cool, so, yeah. She is so cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we mentioned her last week, Peter. John Henry, uh, which is like a very common character in American folklore, uh, but I've always been a big fan of. Uh, Absolutely, still driving man. That's He's, right. That's right. So, someone that I've heard of. That's, mm. that's how. That's how uh, famous he is. <laughs> uh, you have a chupacabra. We have the chupacabra. Uh, yeah. We have. You mentioned you liked Anne a, a, Bonnie. We got four yeah. badass lady pirates in this book. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you make me laugh when I say it. Um, yeah, there's Anne Bonnie, Mary Reed, uh, Ching Shi, and then uh, Grace O'Malley, who mm. was probably like the the ballsiest of them all. Cause she like Ching Shi is amazing. Ching Shi was I think mm. like ah uh, yeah, uh, yes. Ching Shi was amazing. Was it like twenty thousand? Yeah, twenty thousand. She was like straight up warlord. Like she she had an enormous she. fleet. Yeah, yeah. Ching Shi. But no, Grace O'Malley like went to uh, the Queen of England's court and like snuck a dagger in there, mm. and like so impressed so past, uh, past the metal detectors and everything. Well, I mean, like still, <laughs> I'm sure somebody had to have at least frisked her a little bit or, or tried to, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they, she named part of Ireland after her, which is like what? That's pretty sweet, right? For like just mm-hmm. rolling in there with a knife on you, like strapped to go, like oh mm. my god, like you're an old ass woman. What are you doing? Like crazy? That's nuts. <laughs> well, sometimes you got a shank full. Yeah. She was like ready a- to shank the Queen of England. That's what I'm saying. Like this is an amazing case. She's, like, she's clearly quite the badass, right? <laughs> right? Truly a formidable figure. <laughs> uh, uh, design wise, I think my favorite thing in here is probably actually uh, Rasput. Rasput like is a fun one because yeah. he's basically yeah. you designed him with the intention of like, what's Rasputin known for? Well, a few things, but one of the things he's really known for is that he just wouldn't die. So you've got to use a character build to try and make a. Uh, a character that is just really, really, really hard to kill. And I think you succeeded. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you're yeah. clearly not meant to fight everybody. So I'm going to go well, and say, all got hit if, your players, <laughs> if your players are fighting Confucius, you have done something wrong, I feel. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's more levels of rogue than I expect oh. to see on Confucius. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to fight every NPC you meet in the game. It's not, it's not <laughs> mandatory. <laughs> it's called Dungeons and Dragons for us. It's not called Peace Lovers and Peace Next, whatever. You know. Yeah, I, I I like Dracula. I, I find him fun, and uh, I like I like some of the sort of British mythology stuff. Obviously, like Robin Hood and um, Lancelot, Arthur, and the Greek stuff. Big fan of the Greek stuff. Always been a big fan of Greek stuff. But we we got we go right around the world, don't we? Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, we've got stuff from India. Uh, we've got uh, Polynesian stuff. Uh, we've got American Japanese folklore. Characters. We've got British folklore. We've got Irish stuff. We've got uh, Scandinavian we've got stuff. Cthulhu. We've got Cthulhu. Or Mr. Cthulhu to you. Yeah. Uh, you've got CR30. I'm going to be like, yeah. I'll call you Mr. Cthulhu. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's three pages of stat block. That's quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, and sweet picture as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was I going to say? Yeah, um, I was just wanted to sort of touch on, because as, as I said, we went all the way around the world with this stuff, and I just wanted to touch on the whole um, use of cultural consultants, which we mm-hmm. used. Um, there was one person on Kickstarter who, upon hearing that we used cultural consultants, cancelled his pledge. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry to hear that sort of thing's important to you, which was... Okay, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Why the fuck do you care, guy? Oh, you <laughs> shit. It's like, I, I, I'm sorry that getting things right... Yeah, oh, it yeah. made our book better, didn't it? Using cultural consultants like, improved our book. It did make the book better, yeah. yeah. We, we, we spent money to make a more accurate and more interesting book. Yeah. And now you have cancelled your pledge. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, that's... That is a choice you can make. And, um. <laughs> so let's think about it. The first entry in this book was also the first mythological figure you did, I think, wasn't it? March Achilles? 2018, yeah, Achilles, yeah. Yeah. So that's just a coincidence. But Achilles, I think, is one of, what, three or four? No, we've got more than that, more than that Greek heroes, because we've got some Amazons in there as well. Yeah. Uh, so we've got three Achilles. Amazon queens, I think. We've got Perseus, we've got Hercules, we've got three different Amazon queens. Arachne. Uh, Arachne. We've got a wide selection of Greek mythology in there. Yes. I mean, it's not like we've gone through each pantheon and it's like, right, this is all of the Greek pantheon and then this is all of the Norse pantheon or anything like that. It is a sprinkling, um, you know, taking bits, you know, taking characters from various different mythologies. We haven't covered any individual mythology in its entirety. No. Uh, We shoulder the selection process onto uh, readers of Ian World. Yeah, yeah. So it's what people requested. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, you're, you're literally giving people what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's very awesome. I approve. Hmm. Yeah. So that Lucifer stat, I keep going back to it. That's insane. So CR35. And he can take on the form and stats of any other creature in the book. And notably, it's it's like a full shape change. Every other shape change in 5e, it's like you don't get legendary actions. You don't get layer actions. It's like, no, no, Lucifer gets gets everything. When he shape changes. Yeah. Gets the full shebang. I mean, I do notice that Lucifer could come and kick your party's ass as the Easter Bunny. <laughs> we do have the Easter Bunny. We have the Easter Bunny and we have Santa Claus in there. Easter Bunny version point two point oh actually. And both of them are quite formidable badasses. Yeah. <laughs> formidable badasses. <laughs> That's nice. I like it. <laughs> oh, they are though, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, Santa Claus came in CR twenty one. Yeah, that badass. Well, they're, they're really no nonsense, aren't they, Mike? Some of them. Some of them. <laughs> you wouldn't want to try and steal toys off of him, would you? <laughs> no. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. So, what, what about you, um, Peter? Just flicking through, what 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 ones grab you? I don't really know where to go. I I've got as far as G, and Genghis Khan has picked up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, this is pretty good. I mean, um, I really like the consistency in the artwork style. That's a really nice touch because um, 
So I get, but yeah, I guess if you like the artwork style, then you're going to have a very good time uh, reading this book. Mm. Um, the stat blocks are very well laid out, like pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, Zandi, so our layout designer, he does beautiful, beautiful work. Yes, yes, well, I mean, I'm just more conscious of the layout since you mentioned that layout artists exist and do work. I'm like, yes, I suppose they must. Yes, and, and it's very hard yeah, work as well. It is very hard work. Yeah. I mean, clearly did a fantastic job. At Gilgamesh, wow, okay. I just keep on finding stuff that I did not expect to see, so uh, Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh and Enkidu. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Name a more iconic duo. I'll wait. <laughs> Batman and Robin. Uh, Sherlock Holmes and Watson. <laughs> Starsky and Hutch. Oh, well, there you go. You got me now. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to mention the Loch Ness Monster. I'm so glad I got to make that like little uh, newspaper thing. That was a thing. fun one. I do like yeah. that one. Uh, and we've got the Grendel. So if you're a backer of... Uh, Beowulf, as we had on we last got Beowulf week. as well. Yeah, we got Beowulf yeah. and Grendel. Fantastic. And what's a Groot slang? It's a uh, South, South African, African monster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I hadn't heard uh. of it before we did this. Yeah, we got a lot yeah. of really weird uh, requests, uh, which is fun because it makes the book like yeah. extremely diverse in the subject choice. Mm. Oh. Um, and Harold Harold Hadrada, who came second at the Battle of Stamford Bridge. Harold, not Harold. It's all A's. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I kept doing it, too, when I was writing it out, and I was like, no, Mike, it's not Harold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Harold. Yeah, we've got Miyamoto Musashi. Yeah. So if you really need a, a really epic swordsman for your, for your party to go up against. Because what you can do with this, this is, this is the, possibly one of the most useful things that you can do with this book is you just, re, you know, reskin them. So if you, you don't have to use the names. But what you then have is the name basically tells you, because because you know the legend, basically tells you what the stat block does. You don't even need a description half the time because it goes, Miyamoto Masashi, well, you know exactly what that stat block's going to do, don't you? So if you if you need a master swordsman for your for your NPC, for your campaign, you just use the Miyamoto Musashi stat block, change the name to be the NPC of your choice, and you're done. Yeah. Or Robin Hood will be an archer if you need an expert archer or, you know. Aladdin. Yeah. Tarzan. So all of these, you know, they're archetypes, they're iconic figures, and you can use the stat blocks to fill any kind of archetype-shaped block hole in your campaign. i got to say, I thought the Jersey Devil was some sort of dog, but apparently it's a dragon? <laughs> yeah, no, it's because Jersey's just a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, you no, no. <laughs> no, because oh, like no, this is in people Jersey. make fun of New Jersey as like being the garbage state a lot of the time uh, because like they're connected to New York but not part of New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like actually, there is more garbage in the state of Pennsylvania where I live, but nobody ever refers to us as the garbage state. It's always New Jersey. Oh, yeah. that's really I feel sorry for them now. I mean, yeah. don't they're New Jerseyans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting involved in your internal rivalries. <laughs> Is there some sort of gang thing? Like? <laughs> That's maybe an exaggeration. Tell me what's another of my favourites is Fenrir. Oh, yeah, Fenrir. Ooh, you nice. had me redo Fenrir. There's a different yeah. one on the website than in the book. Yeah, uh, Fenrir oh. had to be the guy that turned around and said, sit down, Tarask. This is how you chomp <laughs> things. This is how chomp you be a big beast that chomps things. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to go and eat the moon, then yeah, oh, you got Mary. Mmm. Come on, Mike, it's your cue. It's Mary. Mary Reed. Yeah, 
No, no, Maui. Oh, Maui. Maui, Maui. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Maui. Um, he was built what as a monster. Because, uh, yeah, you couldn't do that with a, with a PC stab lock. That'd be impossible. No. Oh, sweet. So what would you say was the hardest one to do, Mike? Which is one you really struggled with. Well, we, we dropped Conan out of the book, so not Conan. Um, <laughs> hmm. That's a good question. You know what? I think actually it might be Jerona mm-hmm. because we, we, we West Westerners just do not have an appreciation for, uh, by and large, I would say, for uh, Indian culture and mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very in-depth. And so I think I probably spent a whole night just researching Drona to make sure I, you know, selected the right things. Hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, Drona. Yeah, and of course, our cultural consultants went over that too as a yes. as a second as a second run. So we, you know, we're really careful to make sure that we are getting all this stuff as authentic as we can. Yes, uh, and they approved with the Drona one. The Drona one didn't really have any any uh, anything came up with that. Mm. Uh, they were they were like, "This is awesome." Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I am so proud of this book. I think it's come out so well. It has. Yeah. yeah you um, can tell that the layout artist is, is also an illustrator, because like I would oh. never have done anything this lush, and it's it, it totally plays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, Prospero, all through the book, you've got like that beautiful sort of zipper binding on either side, mm. and uh, Prospero, rather than cutting off the edge of Prospero's stuff... They've actually got it overlapping onto the top of it. It's like that's that's pretty nice. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, we've got a nice foreword there from James Ward. And for those who don't Ooh. know, Jim Ward wrote um, Deities and Demigods Ooh. back for TSR, back for first edition D and D. And this, although this isn't Deities and Demigods, because well, it's, it's, there's no pantheons in there or anything like that. It's it's more hmm. mythological heroes and monsters. Um, there is a sort of little bit of sort of Venn diagram conceptual overlap with it. So I sent him a copy and he had a, it was, it was quite an early draft, but he had, he had a read through. He loved it. And he wrote us a, a lovely foreword. Oh, he did. Which, which I thought was nice of him. Wow. Okay. Uh, Jim Waters. I didn't have the internet. Yeah. He's very envious that he didn't think of it. Nice. I think the end where he's like, I looked hard for something critical to say about this great work and I failed miserably is, is an amazing compliment. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Like, I tried to find something to complain about, but wasn't happening. I would like, can't wait to get his hands on the book. Game to be incredibly useful for any game referee wanting to present new challenges for their players. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I really think you should reply to your uh, people complaining about the book rest with, well, Jim Ward said that he tried to find something critical to say about it, but couldn't. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think you know D and D better than Jim Ward, that's on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we talk about the Kickstarter itself? Oh, okay. Yeah. So no. three, how was the Kickstarter going? Three no, days okay. in. No, no. I mean, three as opposed to the book. I mean, the actual the, ca- yeah, the no, Kickstarter. Go for it. So three days in, we uh, we passed the fifty thousand pound stretch goal while we were recording. Wow. And it's now at 50,401, so it's heading towards 51,000. Um, so one of the things we're doing is every time we hit one of these stretch goals, we're supplying, we have got a set of stretch rewards, which are uh, villains of our own creation. Well, uh, freelancers created them, but uh, uh, which we are giving out as we hit the stretch goals, not after the campaign. So when it hit 10,000 pounds, every backer got sent the first stretch goal PDF. When we hit twenty thousand pounds, every backer immediately got sent the next stretch goal PDF. 
Uh-uh. And that's a, that's a thing we've been doing all through. So there's no waiting on this. You don't wait until after the thing and then wait for us to produce the stretch goals a year later. You're actually yeah. getting them before the campaign ends. You're getting them as soon. Like it, we we hit fifty thousand pounds as soon as this podcast finishes. First thing I'm going to do is send out the next PDF. Yeah. So so basically, um, EM Publishing likes to deliver its stretch goals in real time. Yeah. Uh, which is you know, yeah not too bad for a Kickstarter. Yeah. And so people are uh, still, yeah, and people are already getting ongoing content from this Kickstarter before it's even finished. Yeah, whereas me, like a schmuck, I'm still waiting on a Kickstarter that I backed, I think in 2016. Oh dear! Well, that's not a danger with us because, as you can see, in my hands right here, I have the hardcover of this book. It exists. Wow! How big is that? That looks bigger than A4. Uh, it's, a <laughs> no, standard, it's, it's a standard size. Yeah. Wow, but it looks so thick. The cover is because Russ is really small. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a hobbit. I'm not small. I'm probably normal size. Thank you very much. Just because you're, I, I, just because you're like a Grendel-sized giant <laughs> in both appearance and demeanour. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's before I've had my cup of morning coffee. But certainly, if a zombie broke in and you were forced to batter it to death with that book, that would be a strong choice. Yeah, it's quite solid. It's 230 pages, I think. 235. Wow. In that sort of region. Like, well, what's a player's handbook? That's only like a... That's not... Uh, yeah, crikey. I think that's... Got, got some, I, I think the player's handbook's coming out to about 300, actually. I'm yeah, not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. It doesn't look as substantial, I've got to say. It's very high quality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so this this book will go out... As, as soon as the Kickstarter ends, we'll know how mm-hmm. many we need to print. Yeah. Then, I, basically, I just write a check to the printer. Print the printer prints them, ships them, yeah to um, our warehouse in Nottingham and then they get shipped out from there. So, you know, as soon as it ends, basically I sign a check and that's my part of the process done, to be honest. It's all set up, ready to go. It's all that's got to be done. All I need to know is how many many books I'm printing, really. And some of the books are already printed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, the Masterclass Codex. That's right. Yeah. So, because we've got some left over from from the last one. Yeah. Uh, So one one of the things we're doing with this is you can also pick up the Masterclass Codex, which is sixteen character classes. Oh. So you can pick it up as a double double package, and we've already we've already got some of those left over ready to go out, and then we'll be printing the remainder. But we've also got a special gift set. So this is in a sort of faux leather binding. Uh-huh. matching masterclass codex and mythological figures and yeah then they look gorgeous to be honest i want them yeah <laughs> it is it's certainly getting on for being almost a flagship product yeah 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 i'm so yeah i'm really happy and really 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 proud of this i think mike Absolutely. you did a wonderful wonderful job on your column thank you uh-huh. yeah combination of a uh... Many years work. So I did a wonderful job like editing the... out all the badasses. Oh no, yeah. Centaur. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the things that people might not be aware of is you've also had a stab at putting the Warlord in there. That's probably one of the most requested 5th edition classes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to buy this book just for the Warlord, but I am saying that you've got some nice rules in there for it. I didn't come up with those. I just, I just found wording we're allowed to use to explain the class archetype. Yeah. We also have, in the Masterclass Codex, we've also got a separate Warlord-style class called the Noble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which you can also use. Yes. Yeah. What, what, uh, what would you say is the most surprising thing that you've you found in this book of our entries? I am 
yeah, I don't know. It's like it's a lot of good probably things. probably the thing I'm, I'm the the thing I'm most surprised but also delighted to see is the index at the back because I'd like me a good index mm. and this has it in um, ascending CR. It makes reference to where you're drawing the source from and obviously it has the page number and also it has like a little brief summary of how it's made up. So for example, King Arthur is a fighter warlord four paladin over the crown 15 and uh, is a CR 12. Well, I can uh, just as a, just as a quick reference. Mm. So yeah, I thought that was a really nice thing. Yeah. And you've also got the uh, index of magical items. Yes. So if you need something truly epic and you're like, well, you know, uh, we need Sun Wukong's Phoenix Feather Cap. Uh, we need the Heavy Draft of Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, we need the Spinal Whip of a Headless Horseman. <laughs> you can find them all. Uh, what would you say in, is the most the of- epic, Mike, you designed them? The most epic magic item in there? Uh, probably the life-catching portrait is the most powerful thing in the, in there. I mean, Excalibur is pretty powerful. It's It's the most powerful magic weapon in the book, definitely. But uh, mm. the life-catching portrait is, like, literally, I'm now Dorian Gray. Hmm. So, like, we're going to protect this bag of holding of stuff that the painting into, and yeah. if anything happens to it, I'm going to die. But, like, <laughs> fuck you, GM. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a phylactery, really, isn't it? Sort of. Yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 A player-accessible phylactery. Hmm. So a good starting point if you've got a player that wants to make a lich. Oh, I mean, there's the Nautilus in there. Nautilus is Nautilus, quite large. Yeah. 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 If you, if you really do need a submarine in your D&D game, the Nautilus is there for you. Yes. I would have to point out the Invisible Man as well. I love the art for the Invisible oh, yeah. Man. It's, it's a very fine choice. <laughs> yeah. And the Invisible Man has a special ability. It just says, invisible. the invisible man is invisible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's such a banal so trait. succinctly phrased. <laughs> well, you just have to spell it out, because wouldn't you be embarrassed if you had the invisible man and didn't? Yes. Put, yeah, obviously yeah. you do have to put it in there. It's just that it's just, it's just sitting there in the stat block, and it's so obvious, but obviously you've got to put it in there, otherwise. Yeah. So, 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 and to be fair, actually, CR4... Um, I think I think I might throw a couple of invisible men and um, and Edward Teach. A couple of invisible group. men and a, and a black beard. Yeah, with, with his beard it, fuses. Because uh, yeah. we've got stats for the beard fuses. Well, they didn't like the name of the pirate ship from the Montreal Shredding, so they decided to call it the Queen Anne's Revenge. Oh. and like it wasn't the best adventure. There were a bit too many puzzles. Mm. But they've been talking smack in the Facebook chat. So I'm like, okay, I feel this for rewrites coming on. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see how you like Edward Teach in all his black bearded, fire bearded glory. <laughs> no, you can't have his guns. Unfortunate. That really sounds more like your issue than mine. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. we should quibble it there, Hello. shouldn't we? We should. So, yeah, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. No, no. Yeah, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, glad yeah. to. Uh, Glad to be here and help. And fingers crossed that the Kickstarter goes on to greater and greater and greater strengths. Yeah, congratulations on the book and the Kickstarter. It starts off incredibly strongly. Um, I'm sure it's going to be like very profitable. And quite frankly, it clearly is the culmination of literal years of labour and of love for the subject. Mm. So bloody well done to the both of you. All right, and on that note... Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back as usual next week. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Russ. 
is goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. And goodbye from Mike Myler with the toothache and painkillers. <laughs>